What's up, NBA fans? The NBA playoffs are well underway. We got a couple of must-watch series on the list. For, for me, I got the Nets versus Celtics. Um, I mean, that's at top of the list for sure. 76ers versus Raptors was on that list. Suns versus Pelicans. Warriors versus Nuggets. And uh, Grizzlies versus Timberwolves. But not to leave anybody out, we'll break down each one of these series in today's episode. Um, with the first round underway, a lot of exciting games already. But... Before jumping into that, uh, Sean got a trivia question for you to start things off. All we right. got we got Marcus Smart, who has won Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, the right. voters got tired of Rudy Gobert, so they <laughs> gave it to a guard. Boston Celtics makes sense. Boston Celtics ended the regular season as the number one defensive rated team, and if you've been watching Nets versus Celtics, they've sure as hell been giving Durant and Kyrie Irving a hard time to score the ball, but. Sean, the question for you is Marcus Smart wins Defensive Player of the Year, and he is the first guard since who and since what season? Oh, you know, I was going to say this is too easy. I already know <laughs> the answer to this. The year actually is a little tougher. So the last guard to win it is Gary Payton. Yep, and that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was pretty one. easy. I, the years, the, I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> I saw the chart when I was watching the game, though. Ah, gosh. I'm going to go with uh, 92. Oh, kind of close. It's the 95-96 season All right. <laughs> when the Seattle Supersonics finished. I, th- I believe they finished number one in the Western Conference that year and ended up getting upset in the first round uh mm. oh no actually never mind this is the year they did end up going all the way to the finals and lost to the chicago bulls four four two in the <laughs> nba finals but gary payton was the last guard before yeah. marcus smart to win defensive player of the year so my um, question to you alan is do you think marcus smart should have been defensive player of the year who would you have put in if not um you know, I was I was a little surprised when I when I saw that finalist list. Marcus Smart was a Gobert and Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, uh, not those are two not surprising. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I I was a little surprised that Jared Jackson Jr. wasn't on that. I finalist agree with list. that. Yeah, I think that yeah. was definitely one that was underrated. Yeah. So once I thought that was surprising, but then once I saw the three guys, Bridges, Smart, and Gobert. I wasn't. I'm not really that surprised that Smart wins it. I think the big reason why is Boston Celtics getting that number one seed in the or getting number one or number two seed in the East, and finishing the 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 year with the number one defense in the in the in the league. It just makes sense that that award should go to somebody like that versus the Utah Jazz, who are out of the top five at this point in defense. Finished the year out of the top five in terms of defensive rating. Um. I don't know. Maybe there was a little voter fatigue, but I'm yeah. I'm not that surprised that Marcus Smart yeah. got it. I mean, yeah, if you look at the just even the top three that you know got the the award, I would have given it to Mikal Bridges over Marcus mm. Smart myself. I mean, that I mean, if we're gonna talk about record, the Suns right. had the best record in the league, so that that you can throw that out of the table as far as the Celtics are concerned. And I think Bridges has been great defensively the entire season, not just the second half. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's maybe more of a recency bias because the Celtics were the hottest team to end the season. But yeah, Marcus Smart is a great defender. So, you know, 
it's whatever at the end of the day. I, I think Defensive Player of the Year is one of those awards I care the least about, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's it's good that he got some recognition. You know, he's he's a guy that comes in and plays tough every game, game in, game out, and man, it's it's definitely showing here in the playoffs too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, Defensive Player of the Year is probably one of the harder awards to really quantify the way you can with like MVP or um, all NBA awards, the defensive, the way you track defense in terms from a stat perspective, it's so tough. Um, Mm -hmm. There's the numbers can look so underwhelming. So, so much of it I think is based off how many games you've been watching. And a part of it I think is also like a reputation for that player. And Marcus smart has been carrying that reputation as just a defensive dog for so long that, it almost feels natural that he would at one point get defensive player of the year in his career. Whereas Bridges, I think you do have a point that he's been there all year. Whereas mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics came out of the gates really slow. So I think you could have maybe seen that hurt him. But I think you get you got humans voting for this award. So recency <laughs> bias probably did yeah. take a little bit in effect. But I think Bridges may be on his way to potentially getting this award in the next couple of years. I think if he keeps at it uh, and yeah. builds, continues building that reputation. Yeah, and I, w- I would not be surprised, honestly, if we see another guard very soon also win Defensive Player of the Year in uh, mm-hmm. Matisse Thibel. Right. If, 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 I, if Matisse Thibel doesn't win this award in the next five years, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I think so. And I think it also just goes to show where the league is moving Whereas this war for so long has been dominated by big men. Mm-hmm. But now good yeah. perimeter defense has become so important in today's NBA, which oh, is like the sure. amount of spacing and switching going on mm-hmm. um, that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see in yeah. the next few years, how many more wing players we see get defensive True. player of the year. Yeah. Not to say that the, the big men aren't making a case for themselves. I mean, we just discussed Jaron Jackson jr. A little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Bam Adebayo deserves some right. recognition too. So they're still there, but yeah, the guards are creeping in. Yeah, for sure. And on that note with Marcus Smart, we're breaking down every series, but we got to start off with Nets versus Celtics. I think it's no secret. I think that the NBA is making this <laughs> one of the premier first round matchups because oh, for sure. there's literally like two days or like two to three days break between each game. Yeah, they're giving um, them a lot of rest. They're trying to let Ben Simmons come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they're just trying to milk as much as they can out of this Man. series. And so far, it's not looking too hot in terms of it going long. It's 2-0, leaning towards the Boston Celtics. And it's just been a dogfight for Kyrie and Durant to get anything going. I mean, game one was the full Kyrie show going 12 for 20, 39 points including six for 10 from three, just doing everything he can to keep the Nets in the game and just nearly stole it. But towards the end there, you had Nick Claxton at the line, missing two clutch free throws Mm -hmm. in the stretch. Then the Celtics on the other end, um, just shutting down Kyrie, forcing him into a tough, tough pass to Durant and who just kind of throws out a Hail Mary shot. And then that final play, no timeout (laughs) called by the Celtics, take it down patiently throw it to Marcus Smart, pump fakes, and just somehow finds Jason Tatum, who throws down one of the most beautiful spin moves I've oh ever my gosh. seen That's in basketball. So smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So smooth and calm and just a just a clean little finger roll off the backboard mm. for that layup so to pretty. steal game one. What 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 a sequence of basketball. I, I was like 
in the middle of a nap and I just woke up to watch the final few minutes of the fourth quarter and it just that woke me up <laughs> so quick. I was I like, bet. oh my gosh, I can't believe what I just watched. <laughs> yeah, I actually was driving um back to back to slow when this game was happening. I was just listening to this on my YouTube TV app, uh, which is great because you don't even need to have the the screen on to watch YouTube TV anymore, by the way. So you can just mm. listen to the audio. And I, I was just hearing it go down. I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't able to watch this live. I needed to go back and watch the highlight afterwards. I was like, oh, my gosh, that would have been epic to see right when it happened. Um, yeah. But such a such a great game overall. Like, the fact that it went down to the very end and it was just a one-point win, it was it gave you everything you wanted from a playoff mm-hmm. basketball game. It, yeah, it was just so fun. Yeah, somehow the Celtics survived Ramadan Kyrie, <laughs> who was just shooting lights out to keep his team alive. And, I mean... Steve Nash was just throwing bodies out there and nobody was really taking over. It was just the Kyrie Irving show. Kevin Durant struggled nine for 24 for 23 points. Uh, Brown and Tatum, that duo was a lot better. 18 for 37 for those 54 uh, combined points. And Tatum being the primary defender on Durant just held them down. I mean, the stat here is 37 plays. He ended up guarding uh, Durant one-on-one, but really was a full team effort. Uh, just swarming Kevin Durant every time he grabbed the ball and every time he tried uh, to cut, to drive to drive inside. Um, game two started off a little different with the Nets really coming hot out of the gates with Bruce Brown and Kyrie Irving shooting shooting well. Uh, but the Celtics rally from 17 points to take them down and take game two in what was really just a a really really awful second half uh, <laughs> for the Nets where Irving and Durant went one for 17 combined from the field and just struggled to get anything going in the fourth quarter and the Celtics just kind of walk into this and just take this game from them yeah I think this is really exposing a lot of the Nets weaknesses that have been apparent the whole year and that's why they're the seven seed Mm -hmm. one they don't have size you know Andre Drummond is a large human Nick Claxton is a pretty large human, but neither are necessarily talented enough to even match up against Al Horford and Daniel Tice. Like we're talking about a Boston team that isn't even playing their starting center. Who's still coming back from injury. Hopefully soon uh, with Robert Williams. He's man. Can you imagine if Robert Williams was in this series too? Like it wouldn't even be a contest, but Daniel Tice has taken it to this team and it just, shows that they don't have enough depth at that position and then the other thing is that jason tatum is a superstar now yeah it can't be denied i mean he's playing stellar defense like you mentioned on durant he's he's scoring the ball fantastically he's making the clutch plays that he needs to make and for the nets if they don't get Kyrie, both Kyrie and kd like just being superstars scoring like 30 points each there's just no way they can win these games. Like no mm-hmm. one else is going to step. I mean, Bruce Brown scored 23 points randomly in this game too, <laughs> but because Kevin Durant was being held so to like such poor shooting, there was just nothing they could do. It's not enough. They they don't have the depth to support one of these stars not performing at their best. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect case study where you get Bruce Brown knocking down 23 points, but. He can do that through the first three quarters, but when it comes down to closing the game, 
Bruce Brown yeah. is not the answer. <laughs> Nor is Goran, Goran Dragic. Goran also, Dragic, yeah. Yeah, chipped in 18 points. Uh, Seth Curry with 16. But the real... And they were leading, and the, and the game was lost in the fourth quarter when you can't rely on these guys to knock down mm-hmm. baskets for you. You need Durant, you need Kyrie, and if they're not firing on cylinders, they're going one for 17. Yeah, that's an L no matter how big that lead is. <laughs> Man, is it crazy for you to think about how you thought the Celtics should tank this season, and now they're oh. up 2-0 against the Nets in the first round of the playoffs without oh, their starting gosh. center? <laughs> I think about that a lot throughout this year, especially the last two months when they've really just – have completely turned it around and just watching this game this team they they look like they they are a number one seed a number two seed a true contender especially against the nets i mean they they can't i mean the nets just want to go matchup hunting and there isn't a single player they can do that against at least in the starting lineup horford is good enough to hang uh marcus smart is great jalen brown is great tatum i mean even some of the guys on the bench williams like this is just such a well. This ended up being a really well constructed roster, and they're so well coached. And on the offensive end as well, they got the right spacing. They got the right guys who can attack. And I mean, I think that that last play where Marcus Smart found Jason Tatum is a good example of how much this team has evolved. Whereas I feel like yeah. in the past, Marcus Smart probably takes that three. Probably doesn't pump fake. He <laughs> Wants takes to be it. The hero, yeah, yeah. He probably fades <laughs> away and takes that three. Or, or or somehow desperately just throws it to Brown, who just shoots a wild shot, and, mm-hmm. and that's game. The Nets win it. But the patience on their side to really just let the ball continue moving and find the right guys, right. I think it, it just speaks volumes to how much this team has has evolved. And I just it's tough, man. I don't really see how the Nets can can beat this team. And one of the big points that you brought up was the size. Uh yeah, Daniel Tice, Al Horford went thirteen for nineteen inside against Oof. Drummond, Nick Claxton, Durant. Like these guys shouldn't be going like shouldn't be putting chipping in this much. I mean, it's yeah. not a lot, but it just speaks to to how Durant is just exhausted being the one of the primary guys guarding the inside for this team. Right. He's got to be one of the primary rebounders as well, and it's just a lot to ask for this guy and to also hold down the fort when it comes down offensively. 42 minutes tonight for Durant. I mean, it's no, it shouldn't be any surprise that he's also struggling from the field when he's got all these responsibilities uh, on the defensive mm-hmm. end and on the rebounding end. And it's tough. And I, I'm surprised that like we haven't seen Blake Griffin. We didn't see Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge in game <laughs> They're two. Not good. But, <laughs> They're I mean, not you just, good. You needed another big body out there to at least just get you a couple boards for a couple minutes. Mm. Um I don't know. Yeah, and the I don't Celtics think that was going to be any better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's any better because yeah, the Celtics are probably going to do a great job of hunting those guys down in oh, matchups. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they need to try to figure out how to get Durant, Kevin Durant, into more of a help position on defense rather than being that primary um, guy that's holding holding down the basket or protecting the basket. Yeah. Well, that's the tough part is that their size doesn't. It, it's not there. Like you mm-hmm. can't. Kevin Durant can't be the help because he has to be the primary defender. Right. Like you're looking at what what's the starting lineup they got right now? They got Kyrie, they got Bruce Brown, they got Kevin Durant, Andre Drummond, and Seth. Or yeah, Seth Curry. Seth Curry. So you're, yep. you're talking about three guys that are six four or shorter, and mm-hmm. then you have KD who's big, and then Andre Drummond who's just a turtle. Yeah. And 
who guards Jason Tatum? It has to be Kevin Durant. Yep. He's just going to shoot over anyone else that guards him. So there's no other choice. Yeah. It's like Bruce Brown can try, and he's a great defender for his size. But against a guy like Tatum who can match him athletically and outmuscle him, there's just, it's not a contest. Right. And yeah, there's just, I, I just don't think the Nets are equipped to handle this Celtics team with the guys that they have at the wings. And you mentioned Al Horford being good enough. He he hasn't just been good enough. He's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he had 20 points and 15 rebounds in that first game. And it just doesn't seem like he's aging at this point. Like yeah. he's, he's just been electric in this series. He's been fantastic, making a lot of smart plays. And, you know, I, I do like seeing Tice get back in there, you know, after having to do a, basically a stint in <laughs> NBA purgatory being on the Houston Rockets and then somehow yep. getting out of that, getting traded back to the Celtics, back to where he was a productive player. And it just, it really all comes together for him right now. And, I mean, they're going back to Brooklyn now, and that definitely will pose more of a challenge. And there's there's no way in hell this Nets team's getting swept. I, I could not imagine that happening. But Yeah. And I, I honestly, I don't think Ben Simmons coming back is going to do anything either. Dude hasn't played basketball in o- almost a year. And wh- what, he's just going to come into this new team and instantly contribute? I highly doubt that. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe this they can push it to six, but I I don't see it going farther than that. Yeah, I think the Ben Simmons thing it's like a it's a good headline, good blog post to write about, but he's not gonna walk in here and all of a sudden figure out oh, this no. really <laughs> sophisticated team that the Celtics have and all the chess pieces that they can maneuver around. It, it, it it's it's tough and i mean the celtics are just gonna hunt him down as soon as they see him on the floor they're gonna put tate on there yeah. put jalen brown and it's so tough to to double either one of those guys because the celtics are just such a great shooting team now and they're so good at finding each other in the right spots that it makes it hard that's why that's why they're so good at hunting down bruce brown and, and yeah. kevin durant <laughs> can't get back even if he wants to uh to get mm-hmm. back on one of those guys it, it it's it's a rough road. I don't really see. Oh, I mean, I think yeah. I mean, you got Kyrie and Durant who are still somehow offensive cheat codes, and if Durant can figure out his shooting, knock down some tough shots, maybe they do pull out a couple wins. But my gut feeling tells me this is going to be a five game series. And <laughs> I think yeah. the Celtics are closing this out. Uh, Nets take game three. Celtics win game four, and then they win it at home in game mm-hmm. five. Yeah, and then you hope, if you're the Celtics, that you can get Robert Williams back for round two. Would be huge. Mm-hmm. And right now, according to basketball reference, the Celtics are the highest odds to win the championship. How Who crazy does? is that? The Celtics. Yeah. That's higher than the wild. Suns, higher than the Heat, the defending champion Bucks. Now, the Celtics are the team that they're giving the nod to. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean this team had these guys have been in the in this in this in this on this playoff journey for so many years and they look different and they look so much better. Yeah. And now that I've been watching these last two playoff games pretty closely, I I'm not surprised like the this mm-hmm. they they're clicking on all cylinders and I'm I'm sure the injury to Devin Booker probably affected those I'm going to assume affected those numbers a little bit um in terms of like the odds. I'm yeah. Presume that. Yeah, that might. I mean, we don't know the severity of that either, though. Mm-hmm. So, he might only miss a couple games still. So, mm-hmm. 
I imagine they don't need him to beat the Pelicans, but we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I am excited though to see the the who the Celtics how the Celtics look in round two though, because uh, mm-hmm. I think the East is maybe maybe it's just a little recency bias affecting us, but I I feel like the East may be a little closer than we think. Uh, but the Celtics yeah. do look look good. Um, yeah, there's some other teams that look good. We're about to talk about right now too. Yeah, Seventy <laughs> Sixers Raptors. This one oh, is crazy man. because this was on my must watch list oh. going into the playoffs. I was like really, ex- I don't know. I was really yeah. excited about this series. Blink, you like, might oh miss the series. <laughs> yeah, I was like the Raptors are gonna come in here hot and they're gonna just punish the Seventy Sixers if they come out of the gates arrogant. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, the Raptors have fought. They fought, but they fought. They got blown out. What in game two? Uh, yeah. Game one was okay, and uh, and game three, super close nail biter. But overall, the 76ers got that three zero lead. Now Mike fell, but uh, <laughs> this was this game three was exciting. So that was part it of was. like pretty good to see. But it has not really lived up to the hype that I thought it was going to be i totally thought this was going to be a six game seven game series yeah i mean a rough part of this is that they had multiple injuries sustained after game one right so Mm -hmm. scotty barnes got his ankle stepped on by Embiid, which would probably crush my foot entirely but it seems like you know if they were able to survive another game or two he could come back not looking likely at this point um, they had Thaddeus Young get injured, and uh, Gary Trent got a little banged up, but he ended up not missing any games, but he didn't look very good in Game 2. Um, <laughs> ended up playing like 45 minutes in Game 3 with his overtime <laughs> game, as did all the starters for the Raptors, but it's just been underwhelming overall for them. And for the 76ers, man, they got such a gem with Tyrese yeah. Maxey. Holy cow. 26.3 points per game through these first three games of the playoffs, shooting 61%, averaging 5.7 rebounds, 3.7 assists as well. Just looks like he is a star. He's he legit. looks like yep. he's a star. And obviously that's not who he was during the regular season. He was just a really good role player. Um, definitely overperforming, definitely a most improved player candidate. But he has elevated his game right now past anything I think anyone ever imagined for him. And my God, is this guy going to make a lot of money in a couple of years? <laughs> yeah. I think he's on, he might potentially be an all-star in the next few years. If he keeps I would not be it. surprised. I mean, this is, this is the scenario we discussed at the beginning of the season when all this Ben Simmons crap was happening. Mm-hmm. Rich Paul was just trying to make it. So Ben Simmons gets out of Philadelphia clears the space for his other client Tyrese Maxey who then ends up also getting a max contract and Rich Paul's just racking it in from both ends and it worked out perfectly for him mm-hmm. well I mean and, and it also works perfectly for the 76ers as they get that's true uh, it, they it get does a, they it get does. a value star for, for this <laughs> for sure for this big run in the next in the next year right Tyrese Maxey still has another year he on still has another deal, year yeah until his extension is due but he's I mean you'd be an idiot not to give it to him at this point. I mean, what more can you ask from this guy? I mean, he got 38 points in that first playoff game of the year. Just absolutely unreal performance, shooting the lights out, making me forget that James Harden is on this team, (laughs) which is as much of a credit to Maxi as it is a discredit to Harden. 
because I mean we're seeing true playoff James Harden coming out early this year. He just he just seems to not show up for these big moments. I mean it happened in Houston a million times. Uh, averaging just 18.3 points per game this series so far, only shooting 40%. Averaging 10 assists, which is good. But I mean, he fouled out of this game three. And so he left it up to Embiid and Maxi to, to take over the game. And they didn't need him to win the game. Like, they really, no. he wasn't, he was a non factor. And yeah, it's just, it's very interesting to see, like, do, are the 76ers in fact a better team with him you know just it does how much does he actually add you know what option is he truly on this team right now yeah maybe we're overreacting to three games but and and, i don't know can you see tyrese maxi averaging 26 points per game for the rest of this playoffs i i certainly would be a fool to think so maybe he will because he's just playing out of his mind but I mean, they need playoff Harden to go away. They need normal James Harden if they want any shot at the title. And they'll defeat the Raptors easily enough without him balling, but that's not going to work against uh, what, what seed are they, the four seed? I mean, they're going mm-hmm. up against the Heat next series? That can't fly. Yeah, I think I think it is a bit concerning. I think they're still going to win this series, but it is a bit concerning to see what you're getting out of James Harden so far. And who knows, maybe there is a piece of him that recognizes that they're going to walk walk through this series, and maybe he'll yeah. turn it up in the next one. Um, yeah. So I think there's still a lot here to to be determined. But the one thing I did want to talk about is just that last play. What a wild oh, sequence yes. <laughs> to find Joel Embiid, turn around, and just nail that three-pointer. Unreal. How poetic that the set, your center knocks that down, your best player. But also on the Raptors' side, Wow, you just kind of like totally, they just blew that defensive sequence and <laughs> left Joel Embiid wide open. I don't know yeah. what Gary Trent Jr. was doing. Who else was out there? Precious Achua. And Chua yeah. was out there guarding the air. I don't I don't know what <laughs> yeah. happened there. But <laughs> he does best. Yeah, but that was such a such a sequence. And um, I know that's a that's a tough, that's probably going to be a really tough one for the Raptors uh, to, to get over. And that might have been the, the nail in the coffin, honestly. They might get swept as a result. <laughs> yeah, that, that really was the nail in the coffin. And I'm really bummed I missed this moment, too. I was listen- <laughs> I was listening again listening to it on YouTube TV in my car on the way home from Jack in the Box tonight when mm-hmm. I when I heard that go down. And again, I had to watch the highlight of it um, to see how the play actually went down. And man, what a shot. Yeah, it's... And I feel bad for this Raptors team because it felt like there was so much hope heading into the playoffs just with the way they closed the year. But so much of that momentum just kind of just go, went away when Scotty Barnes went down. I mean, yeah. Fred Van Fleet has just been like, I mean, I think you noted this here has just been mm-hmm. underwhelming. Uh, he was so he, he was so big for them to start the year and big last year. And in the playoffs so far, I mean, he was a huge part of their championship run. He's just been so underwhelming. Um, for them, OJ Anobi's been there. Siakam's been okay. It, it just feels like this team just is just ready to to call it, yeah. after, especially after this loss. I'm sure. I just, I just think this is a bad matchup for Toronto. Mm. I mean, you don't have to play the 76ers every game in the regular season, so they looked a lot better. Right. But I, yeah, there's just too many matchup. Pro- I mean, nobody can guard Embiid on this right. team, and then you're looking at 
undersized guards guarding James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. Gary Trent and Fred Van Fleet, I think, I mean, maybe between them, they're one of them six foot one. <laughs> right. I, I'm not sure, but like they're both really small. And I don't know for Siakam and Ananobi. I just feel like Tobias Harris matches up really well against them. Danny Green matches up really well against them. Um, able to at least hold Siakam in check for the most part. Ananobi's actually had a pretty good series as far as the stats go. But yeah, it's just not. It's not a good matchup for them. The Sixers are just able to kind of hit them pound for pound and then some. And it's like, come on, man. Precious Achua cannot guard Joel Embiid. Mm -hmm. You might as well put a paperweight in front of him because the dude is not moving at the same speed Embiid is. Yeah, and yeah, they've tried to play Birch. Birch only can only hang out there for like like 10 minutes. You got Young only getting like six minutes tonight. Boshier with 17. So they've been throwing these guys out there, but they're just they, they not just don't, really. They don't have the out. personnel. They, yeah, they mm-hmm. don't. I mean, this it's one of those things where they're going to go in the offseason and be like, if we want to win a championship, we're going to need to bring in a big guy that can size up against you know guys like Embiid because we're going to have to mm-hmm. go through him in the playoffs more likely than not. So I don't know. I, I do. I think Toronto has what it takes to win one game here. Yeah, I do. Like I think next game they can come out. They're, they'll be desperate. They'll be at home. Uh, the Sixers can't play Thibault again because he doesn't have the vaccine, and and Toronto still has that vaccine requirement. Um, so they have a shot, I think. Um, maybe tired out Philadelphia a little, uh, just enough to to pull out one win. But yeah, this if this is not if this is anything but a four or five game series, I would be completely stunned. Yeah, I, I'm I'm already stunned, so I don't have any hope. I think this is a sweep. I don't yeah. see them winning this. The rebounding battle tonight, 32 versus 46 on that point of size, totally on the 76ers side, even despite yeah. being a close game. The rebounding gap was big. Um, yeah. I think this this next series is going to be a sweep too. <laughs> oh, hot Heat versus Hawks. Miami win. Miami are leading 2-0. Yeah, this is interesting. This is kind of like the byproduct of the play-in tournament a little bit <laughs> where like, I mean, on that Quick note, the play-in tournament was awesome. You know, it you, was. And the NBA got what they wanted where you get close games, but then you actually get, like, you know, you get an, you get a couple underdog wins. And mm-hmm. the Hawks and the Pelicans were the underdogs. They made put together exciting games and ended up coming on top rather than it consistently being the predictable that 7 and 8 always win. So what's even the point of having this right. play-in tournament? But in this case... Yeah. There was a huge out. point. It saved the season for the Pelicans <laughs> and the Hawks. But, you know, the byproduct of that is, like, now you get a 10-seed Hawks <laughs> yeah. like, against the number one seed Miami Heat versus what you would have had the number – whereas before you probably would have had the number eight seed. Um, so what you get is a very, very underwhelming first-round series. <laughs> but here. to be fair, do you how do you think Cleveland would be faring better against the Heat right now? That's true. If you could, if you were able to get Jared Allen back, I'm Which sure he was back. He been, was back oh, in the play-in. He was back. I I would think so. I mean, if you gave me Jared Allen a couple more days under him, I think he'd be able to put together a more exciting series. And let's not forget the Cavs were like hanging for, on the hanging in there for the number five seed for a, what like almost three quarters of this year. Yeah, yeah. Until Jared Allen got hurt, and obviously um, Karis Levert was hurt for a while. Rick, Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton out for season. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should easily have been a fifth seed at least. Yeah. So you give me Evan. I'd take Evan Mobley uh, and Jared yeah. Allen and Darius Garland over Trey Young. And uh, I mean, you don't even have John Collins out there. Who else? No, he, he came back for game two. Oh, he came back for game two? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this series. I think it's just <laughs> Trey Young's doing his thing, but the Miami Heat are just such a tough defensive team. Lowry, Bam, Butler. See, that's, uh, that's the thing, the though, thing is that last the, year. the Miami Heat are killing Trey Young. Mm-hmm. So, in game two, he had a little bit of a more normal game, but he had 10 turnovers. 10 freaking turnovers in that game. And then in game one, he was held to eight points on one of 12 shooting, <laughs> which is, I think, his worst game ever. That might be his worst game ever. Eight points on one field goal. So the Heat obviously have a good recipe for guarding him. I think Kyle Lowry has been a big part of that. Um, yeah. they've, they've been able to switch a lot of guys onto him too. I mean, any of the guys one through four can guard him. Like Max Struess is out there. P.J. Tucker can guard any position on the floor. Jimmy Butler can guard any position on the floor. And I, I think they've just made life hell for Trey Young. I don't think he, they, he's ever gotten comfortable in this series yet. And may, maybe that changes when, when he goes back to Atlanta, you know, back to his hometown, gets that home crowd behind him. Yeah. Maybe find that groove. But, I mean, you see, without Clint Capella to size up Bam at a bio, I mean, there's just, there's just nothing really there for them from that position. I mean... John Collins isn't big enough to make that um, transition. I think who else do they even have there uh, at this at the center position? No, oh, and yeah, oh, Kongwu. Yeah, yeah he's Kongwu. he's a talented young kid, but he's just not ready for the moment, especially not against this very disciplined, very veteran Heat team, uh, whose yeah. depth they have better depth than the Hawks too. I mean, Duncan Robinson went eight for nine from three in Game One. Uh, Max Struess has been starting for this team. <laughs> Which like what? How? When did that? Happen? I thought he was just there as injury replacement, but I mean the dude's been balling all year. Yeah. Um, there's finding these guys. Uh, Gabe Vincent playing over 20 minutes a game. Uh, Tyler Harrow obviously getting his his playing time in in the clutch minutes. And yeah, I don't I don't know, man. It's just it, it's it's cool to see that the Heat are back with a vengeance. And I feel bad for the Hawks that they, uh, you know, their season hasn't turned out the way that they expected it to after making the conference finals last year. But maybe this will be a wake up call for the Hawks to actually play in the regular season next year, so their record doesn't push them into the playing tournament, and they actually end up with a playoff seating that they can be secured in versus having to play for. Yeah, just get a just get a better matchup because this is just a a tough one for them. And I mean, outside of that, they just. Trey Young needs some help, too. I mean, it's good that he got Collins back. Kevin Herter, 3 for 10 from the field. Golinari, <laughs> 0 for Nothing. 6. 20, you know, 22 minutes. Kevin Herter was out there for almost 35 minutes. Only dropped 9 points. Um, yeah, nothing else off the bench except for Bardanovic, who really had a good game for himself. 29 points, still for 18. And maybe that's the reason they only lose by 10. Because um, this could... Yeah, I mean that's that's what you're getting right now. You're just getting Trey mm-hmm. Young, Collins, who now come who's now come back, and Bogdanovic. But everybody else across the board has just really not been there for the Hawks. The depth yeah. and the energy that they had last year just isn't there. 
the man in the middle, Capella, losing him is going to is, is huge. Uh, I don't know. They can maybe take one at home, so I'll give them that. I'll give them game five because I think this team can still get really hot from outside. But outside of that, I think this is probably one of the more underwhelming series in the playoffs so far. Yeah, yeah, nothing really more we need to say there. But good to see prime Jimmy Butler back. Had 45 yeah. points in that game too, man. Whew. <laughs> He's here it- for it. Yeah, this it's a hell of a game for him. 15 for 25, 11 for 12 from the free throw line. Just goes to show you that this team can't stop him. They got to foul him when when he goes inside. And uh, it's it's adding up points for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Bulls versus Bucks. The series is now tied 1-1. The Bulls shocking. pull off that shocking victory against <laughs> the Bucks today. Uh, I was not tuning in too much because I thought the Bucks were going to take this, but Demarja <laughs> Rosen is just just sets puts on his cooking hat and just went <laughs> on fire and just cooked up dudes. Forty one points, multiple Oof. clutch baskets. Uh, Zach Levine was also hot from the field, but the big three for the for the Chicago Bulls uh, really bounced back from their game one performance where they combined twenty one for seventy one that. I mean, when your big three is shooting like that, there's no way you're going to yeah. win a game, especially not against a defending champ. So for them to bounce back and take this is huge um, mm-hmm. to make this a series again. Yeah, yeah, really good game from DeMar DeRozan. And the unheralded hero of this game <laughs> was none other than Alex Caruso. Man, this guy did everything he needed to do to help the Bulls win this game. Nine points, ten assists, two steals, two blocks, and one clutch charge taken against Giannis in the waning seconds of the game to seal it when they're up five and Giannis was driving. And Giannis was unstoppable all night. No one could stop him from getting to the hoop except Alex Caruso when it mattered most. And, man, the guy just every possession that Alex Caruso was out there, he just he was playing so smart. And it's really cool to see how they've molded him from his Laker days into a game-managing point guard. Yep. That's that's not something I ever envisioned Caruso would become, but he's bringing the ball up the floor. He's initiating the offense. He's dishing dimes out to guys on the perimeter, and he's obviously doing it on defense too. I mean, he had an epic block on Brook Lopez in the fourth quarter where Brooke Lopez is trying to drive to the basket. He just swatted him from the side. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, how does Alex Caruso do this at like six foot four? Like he gets up there, man. And he just made so many smart plays and he, he really helped this team stabilize and, and secure the win. Um, because the bucks made many pushes. Uh, I mean, the bulls had an 18 point lead at one point and the bucks cut it to like five and then the Bulls were able to come back in the fourth, at the start of the fourth quarter, and extend it out to fourteen. And the Bucks cut it again down to five. I think at three, at three once when uh, Brooke had a Brooke Lopez had a three point play to make it like one hundred two ninety nine. Um, mm-hmm. But from there, they were able to just barely stave stave them off and make the right plays in the clutch, and they pull off the victory in Milwaukee. And yeah. absolutely unreal for a team that doesn't have their starting point guard in Lonzo Ball. Um, just got Patrick Williams back from, from injury, just got Alex Caruso back from injury. And 
they had they there was went zero and four against the Bucks during the regular season. I thought the same was going to happen during the playoffs, but man, they showed up. Yeah, and look if you look at the box score, it's sort of a little unreal because. But I mean, this is exactly what the Bulls needed to to keep their their playoff hopes alive and keep this as a a reachable you know winnable series. Demar Derozan with forty four minutes tonight. Zach Levine forty three. Alex Caruso thirty eight. Uh, I mean, the starters just playing heavy heavy minutes versus the Bucks. Who you know they're also notorious for playing their starters heavy, but they still got some points they can distribute off the bench. Pat Cunnington and Grayson Allen, but. The Bulls really just had to roll through with their primary guys, and without without Lonzo, I mean, it's it's tough to get good good shots when you got a bunch of ISO scores on the on the roster. But Alex Caruso stepped up, like you mentioned, to make some of those plays, and Demar Derozan also moving into may to to really handle a lot of that playmaking uh, playmaking role, and also just the combo of the scoring role. So. DeMar DeRozan is just out here playing like a superstar and keeping this team, this team afloat. Yeah, and we just got some very unfortunate breaking news on Chris Middleton. Oh gosh, sprained MCL. Ooh, that's a game changer. That that will likely end his season. Yikes, that's so, unfortunate. That changes a lot. Yeah, very unfortunate. I don't know the severity of the sprain. I don't know if that means he's for sure done for the season, but whenever I hear that phrase, it's not good news. Yeah. That's 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 a huge that's a, that's a pretty big game changer here and it might just be enough to potentially give the Bulls enough to make this a really close series and go to 7 yeah. games. Yeah, this this series is on its head now because the Bucks have no depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw Bobby Portis leave with an eye abrasion um, early on in, in the first quarter of this game. I think he got hit by, was it Serge Ibaka who came in for like one minute and like just yeah. injured him? Yeah, <laughs> it's like total freak accident. <laughs> um, maybe he, hopefully he doesn't have to miss any time and just needs stitches or whatever. Uh, maybe wear some goggles in the next game, but without Bobby Portis, without Middleton, Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen need to become basketball players because they only got three points each in their 20 plus minutes today. That is not going to cut it at all. Mm -hmm. And we've seen Grayson Allen have some good games for this team in the regular season. He's, he's going to have to do it because Drew Holiday and Giannis can't be the only, and Brooke Lopez they can't be the only people scoring on this team. They need help and those are two heavy hits right now. Yeah, this is going to be such a gritty series because I feel like both these teams are suffering from the same thing that their depth, their bench isn't really coming through for them. So they're no. having to rely so heavy on their on their starters. So we're going to be seeing a lot of 40 minute plus yeah. box scores I, here. I think Giannis is going to play at least 42 minutes a game. Yeah. This is unreal. This is going to be like a gritty series and now I've actually gotten a little more excited to keep watching this. Um but in terms of like future outcome, I see this going to 7 games now with this Middleton news. Yeah, and I could I'm, honestly see it being 6. Like I just 
I don't think the Bucks can sustain a blow to their big three. You don't think they can hold on for for a couple couple wins? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like Middleton yeah. is a huge huge part of this team. Like there's no replacing him. They have nothing to replace him with. Yeah, I just got to think that the Bulls are also missing are also missing Lonzo. Uh I mean, they figured figured out some playmaking here with the combo of DeMar and Caruso, but I think they're still very vulnerable. So I could see they the Bucks are, still sure. still taking two more wins and pushing yeah. this to seven. So Man. I'm keep I'm <laughs> keeping with that. We're gonna see Giannis fully unleashed though now for the rest mm-hmm. of however long they can make it in the playoffs without Middleton. This yeah. I mean, he was unleashed tonight. I mean, what do you get? Like thirty three points, nineteen rebounds and eight assists or something stupid like that. Thirty three um, points, eighteen rebounds, nine assists. Yeah. It's like he's <laughs> he's unleashed. Uh, I'm going to expect that every game from here on out, you know, because that's what it's going to take for them to even have a chance. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday is going to have to step up big. And I know he can. Drew Holiday can step up big in the playoffs. But, yeah, they need Grayson Allen to do more. That's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, what, Chris Middleton, 15, 16 points per game. That's it. No, he's like a 20 – Oh, so far, yeah. I'm like, yeah. No, that's that's normally like 20 points a game. Yeah, it's a 20 point score, so you'll need to figure figure out how to make that gap up with combos of Giannis, Holiday, and and a couple of dudes off the bench and Cunnington or Grayson Allen. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it yeah, goes. It's gonna be rough. Gonna be very rough. It sucks still- for the Bucks. I was I was really hoping that they'd have a good deep playoff run this year, but that's it. Yeah, so you see it going six games, Bucks or Bulls? Bulls. Bulls and six? Yeah, honestly, I mean, they're going back to Chicago now for the next two games. Like, mm-hmm. I could see them easily taking the next two. So Going up 3-1. Yeah, going up potentially, which it, it pains me to say because I, I love this Bucks team. I love Giannis, but, yeah, it's it's going to be a really uphill battle for him. Mm-hmm, for sure. Moving out west, we got Suns versus Pelicans. Kind of a, a little bit of the opposite of what we're seeing with Atlanta, Miami. The Pelicans actually yeah. putting up a good fight, taking a game two with Brandon Ingram dropping 37 points, 13 for 21 Oof. shooting, including 11 rebounds and nine assists. Uh, I mean, this game two was, I felt, was on its way to being a classic game for Devin Booker, <laughs> like a really huge uh, yeah. game where you remember it. <laughs> But unfortunately, Devin Booker had to leave after the couple minutes into the third with a strained hamstring. And as soon as he left, this game completely swung in the favor of Pelicans and and Brandon Ingram. And the team shot the Pelicans shot seventeen of thirty fifty seven percent from the Jeez. three point range, including some bombs from in a positive way from Herbert Jones, Alvarado. <laughs> Uh, Jackson Hayes, just yeah, <laughs> bunch of randos, just really putting together good, good, you know, good, good energy and knocking down good shots. But Brandon Ingram leading that uh, with thirty with those thirty seven points that I mentioned and just putting some tough, tough shots in the basket to take this win, um, and and even the series at one one against the Suns. Yeah, really sucks to see Booker leave. Like you mm-hmm. said, seems like it's only a mild hamstring strain, so. At best, maybe he only misses two games, 
but I wouldn't be surprised if he missed the rest of this series and the Suns just try to to win it without him. I think they're fully capable of doing that. They've shown their Same depth here. throughout the regular season. Um, so they'll probably err on the side of caution. But, man, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram could not miss at the end of this yep. fourth quarter. I think if Booker was even in there, I don't think it would have made a difference, honestly, because they, they were lights out. Like, yeah. CJ McCollum was just making shot after shot, and Chris Paul was doing his best to keep up, and McCall Bridges had some good shots too. But, like, I remember one series, it was just a back-and-forth barrage of shot after shot after shot. They are all making them. It was awesome. And then just CJ made a three, and then CP tried to come back on the other end to make a three to answer, and he didn't get it, and that was really the cutoff point. And the Pelicans kind of controlled the game uh, mm-hmm. as the final few minutes of the fourth quarter wore out. But, yeah, they, they had some really good performances, like you said, from their – role players um mm-hmm. herb herb jones man rookie season's been great for him jackson hayes is you know carved out a role for himself here and, and how do you feel about grand theft alvarado um <laughs> make, getting some big playoff minutes for this team and even even playing down the stretch the fourth quarter I, i've never heard of this guy before i didn't know he yeah. was a player but yeah three for three from from the field, including a pretty big corner three, I think with like at the two or three minute mark in the fourth quarter, uh, that really gave them a cushion. I mean, it's it's. I mean, yeah, Herbert Jones. I think also not another name not to be lost is Larry Nance. Also put together yeah. a good game, he, six yeah, for really nine, did. thirteen points, six rebounds. I mean, all these guys had had the games of their the playoff game of their lives. <laughs> so. I just think if you're the Suns, you just can't let that happen again. Uh, right. Brandon Ingram dropping 37 is it's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently. Uh, him and CJ, bucket, though. <laughs> yeah, him and CJ are still going to be continuing to put points, but I think you just can't allow these three, these other folks to kind of beat you like that. You got to stay yeah. locked in, and yeah, you don't have Devin Booker, but I, yeah, like we were saying, the Suns have enough weapons to to be able to put this team away. I think. You had DeAndre Aiding four for six in game in game one, um, pretty underwhelming game game two. Oh, four for, he was four for six in game two. Never mind, not game one. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Paul got off to a really slow start, but I mean he had a great fourth quarter to try to bring right. this team back. But they really got to do a better job of trying to put this team away and not letting. I mean, I love that Alvarado did what he did, and uh, <laughs> Larry Nance and Herbert Jones, but you can't get beat by these guys. Come on. You're, you're you're the defending Western Conference champions. Uh, put yeah. this team away. <laughs> so how do you feel about? I mean, have you seen Alvarado's like signature move? I guess we could call it at this point, where he just like sits on the baseline after oh. an inbounds pass and tries <laughs> oh. to sneak up behind them. That's like the same thing that like Huertas used to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's like, like what you try to do on the pickup court man you just try yeah. to like sneak up behind them yeah that's like yeah that's a signature pickup move yeah it's such a it's such a regular season thing and it's such a bat pickup basketball thing it's like it's the playoffs you're not you're not gonna get away with that yeah, if you not, do yeah. get away with that then that's on the other team for being so oh yeah know. i mean that's what he's trying to do <laughs> but yeah like in the playing game against the clippers like they were so wise to it they just had covington just block him straight up it's like no <laughs> like dude what are you doing and then there's a play 
uh, during game two where he was going to try to do it on Chris Paul. And Chris Paul just, like, held the ball and stared at him. He's like, get over on defense, you stupid rookie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just, like, signal, hand signal to him to get back. Get, get, yeah. get on the other side of that baseline. Right. Or get out of the side of, <laughs> on the other side of the midcourt line. You're not picking me up here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. Which, it's cool. I, I respect the hustle, though, man. Yeah. Like, you got you to gotta try stuff, you know? You never know when you can sneak up on a guy in one play. Just one play where they slip up. That's all you need. Yeah, I respect the hustle, but in the playoffs, come on, everybody's so good at this point. <laughs> no, nobody, you're you're not gonna get a schedule win. Yeah, you know, he should have like, saved that. He should have saved that move for the playoffs because everyone saw during the regular season him doing this crap, and they're like, okay, <laughs> don't let this guy look make you look stupid. You know, yeah. like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that move's not gonna get them another win. I I call this. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the Smoothie King Center does bring enough energy to help them get another win. But... Oh, and no Booker makes it yeah. very much more even. But do I uh, say six yeah. games? No, I, yeah, it's I, it's just a matter of how many games, right? That it takes for the Suns to win this finally. Yeah, I'm gonna still say five games. I think this is the only win the Pelicans yeah. get. It's a lucky yeah, I think one. the Suns. Yeah, they'll they'll walk in now. Like Monty Williams is gonna come up with a big plan, and it's like the Pelicans just don't have the consistency to be able to keep up with the Suns. Like, yeah, they have the best adjustments of any team in the NBA. Yeah. And the way this, this Suns team looked in the beginning, I just don't think they looked uh, locked in. I think they kind of figured Booker was going to have a huge win, a huge game, and they were going to yeah. be able to put this team away. And when that didn't happen, I think it kind of shocked them a little bit, but I don't yeah, expect, I, right. I don't, I definitely expect Chris Ball, Aiden and Bridges and some of the, you know, Cameron Payne and some of these other guys to really step yeah. up and do what yeah, they expect, did in the regular season. I expect season. Cam Johnson to have a big game three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I think I think he will definitely step up. He's been kind of underwhelming so far. Um, so I want to see big things from him. Yeah, I think Cam, John- yeah, Cam Johnson's another good name. Uh, Mavs versus Jazz. That series is also tied 1-1. Um, huge win. <laughs> huge game to win. I mean. <laughs> Unbelievable. I feel like I have to apologize to this Mavericks team because Same. I really thought that that midseason trade was not going to be any was not going to lead to a positive outcome for the Mavs in terms. I don't I didn't think it was actually going to make their team better. I didn't think Spencer Dinwiddie or Bertans was really going to have any impact on their team. I was wrong. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, yeah. to be fair, Bertans hasn't done much. Yeah, Bertans has it done. Bertans has it Dinwiddie, yeah, yeah. He, he was inefficient from the field, but still, you know, he had he had a good amount of production across the board, points, rebounds, assists. But I mean, the real story here is not those guys, right? Yeah, it's, it's not Jalen freaking Brunson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forty-one points, going nuclear. Fifteen of twenty-five shooting, eight rebounds, five assists to boot. Did his best, Luka Doncic impression, man. Like. Talk about an understudy. Like, Jalen Brunson has learned all the tricks of the trade from Luka. And we're talking about guys getting big contracts, extensions, like Tyrese Maxey earlier in this podcast. And Jalen Brunson, man, (laughs) after performance like that, he is in for a massive payday, too. And, man, I cannot believe that they got a win without Luka in the playoffs. Yeah, and I bet, like, if you're, like, a – if you're a big Jazz – a big Mavericks fan, you're probably not that surprised to see Brunson go off like this because I feel like he's shown for 41? some forty-one, forty, maybe not forty-one, but for him to <laughs> like step up huge like this, 
I don't think it's... I think if you're a real Mavs fan, if you've been watching their, some of their box scores or keeping up with their games, I think it's sort of been building up that this guy is actually like really... He's he's a real deal. He's more than just oh, like yeah. Luka's backup. Yeah, and it shouldn't take just a Mavs fan. Like, me and you, we, we've seen Jalen Brunson over this course of the season go from being the sixth man slash Luka's backup to starting next to him mm-hmm. and producing good numbers throughout the year, but... For him to take over the game like that, man, like that's a whole n- different dynamic to this game. I didn't think he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this and one of the I think surprising things too is that this series is tied one one, but it could easily be two zero for the Dallas Mavericks. Like, I mean, it was a close game one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, game one ended up being ninety nine ninety three, but if you you know watching that game, it was close the entire time for a while there. It really looked like Dallas could have could have stole stolen that game from from Utah. Uh, yeah, that Royce O'Neal three at the end of game one was the dagger, mm-hmm. which is just so ironic because it's Royce O'Neal. How the heck did yeah. Royce O'Neal make a clutch three? <laughs> yeah, it's to see the Utah Jazz sort of unravel is it's so crazy to me because it's not like there's obvious signs that you know Dovin Mitchell is balling. He's he's doing his thing, but it's just like the Utah Jazz has sort of been that same story where they got a, a really good defender, Rudy Gobert, inside, but their perimeter defense has just fallen off so hard the last few years that they're allowing things like Jalen Brunson to go off for 40, plus, for 40 points. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie also just has solid games. I mean, in game one, he went uh, 6 for 15, 22 points. Jalen Brunson also 24 points. Uh, Bullock... 15 points uh and the Mavs are just like quick on the perimeter they're finding their guys like Kleber is knocking mm-hmm. down shots um yeah I mean Dorian Finley Smith had an okay game but still just they're just having such a tough time containing the perimeter with the with their older guys and Bajanovic Bajanovic and um and Conley out there right um, and Mitchell is Mitchell a bad defender too <laughs> I don't know. I guess he's not, the, he's not elite. <laughs> like, I, I don't call really him pay elite. attention to what he does on defense, but I don't really feel like he's a very good defender. Yeah. He's definitely not elite, I would say that. And I think yeah. his offensive load is so heavy that he might be one of those guys who takes plays off here and yeah. there. Yeah, I'm going to have to pay more attention to that. But and this story is the same for this team every year, man. It's just like, mm-hmm. can this team win with Rudy Gobert as your as your player? that you build around and right. it's clear like the recipe that these teams use to beat the jazz every year is the same you go small ball lineup you go with a with a, a guy at five that can shoot the three i mean uh, to be fair maxi Kleba ain't shooting a le- eight of 11 from three every single game <laughs> mm-hmm. but the fact that he can get open enough to shoot 11 threes in the first place just speaks to go bear remaining down low like you he doesn't come out to the three-point line to guard because the rest of the team like if a drive happens no one can stop it but him so if Kleep is out there on the three-point line Gobert has to choose between giving up the three or giving up the two and it seems like he's more willing to give up the three and the team probably coaches him to allow him to give up the three than the two and this is what happens you let Kleba go off for 25 points and eight threes and that's the difference in the game, honestly. 
like that's just that's just the the world they choose to live in it's the the hill they've died on every single year and my god if Luka comes back in the next game or game four this series is over like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think this team this Utah team is gonna beat the Mavs in a single game that Luka plays in just because we've seen what they can do around the perimeter without him. yeah yeah and the other maybe not as mentioned piece of it too it's like when gobert struggles defensively he is really a non-factor just because on the yep. offensive end he brings nothing 33 percent from the yeah. field so far he averaging, the lane. averaging yeah. six points in this series so he's not really a lob threat he's not really a post-up threat he kind of just he just kind of hovers on the offensive end right he just sits in the lane and he blo- he clogs the driving lane you know yeah. like yeah, unless you, yeah, you have to put him in a screen and roll and just leave him out to dry, you know, on the three-point line. You can't pass it to him there. You can't do anything with it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean just in general, Gobert's been a non-factor offensively uh for for in this series so far. Mike Conley is also shooting 31% on this series, uh having a hard time really knocking down his shot. It's really just been Donovan Mitchell, uh Bogdanovic and Clarkson being really the only true offensive threat so far in this series. So they're going to lead a little bit more from their starters to to hang around. And especially, like you mentioned, if Luka, once Luka comes back and the Mavs just look a lot more refined with their superstar behind them, they're not losing another game, no. <laughs> probably. No, definitely not. Yeah, it's, it, it's sad because like Utah's a great team. During the regular season, they always have great success. But the problem is that they only have one play style. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have a small ball lineup like the rest of these teams do. So you're stuck using Gobert, using Hassan Whiteside as, like, your big, you know, center that's unable to space the floor. And that's what you're stuck with. Like, <laughs> maybe they need to try – So I, they don't have the personnel to try a small ball lineup, you know? Like, they don't have a – a Draymond Green, they don't they don't have a Maxi Kleba that can space mm-hmm. the floor at the five. Um, so I don't know. There's only so much Donovan Mitchell can do. Yeah, exactly. He's just got like the insane. I just took a peek at his usage rate. It's at thirty nine percent. Just just like insane. But I mean, <laughs> I guess it's just like on the same level as like a LeBron James, but. You you would hope to give himself a little bit more relief with some of the other players, but there just isn't anybody who could handle any of those duties on Utah no. Jazz right now. Yeah, um, they they need to do a roster overhaul if this series goes south. Um, yeah, that yeah, there's just there's too many bad pieces on this team. Like you can't you cannot be starting Royce O'Neal as your starting small forward as a team trying to win a championship. You just can't. He's not good enough. Yeah, it, yeah. This might be the last playoff series we see the Utah Jazz. If they, I mean, the current makeup of the Utah Jazz, if they lose to Dallas, uh, yeah. what are you thinking, Sean? I'm going. It's hard to say because it's it's unsure. It's, it's so contingent still. on Luca. It, yeah. It's complete. Like we're going back to Utah. If Luca's not playing in either of those games, I expect Utah to still win those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Luca comes back, I, I can see this going four-one Dallas. Honestly. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a head it's a fifty fifty at this point. Yeah. I'm going to go off the assumption that Luca is coming back, but he won't be coming back for game three. I think mm-hmm. he's gonna come back I could see him coming back game four. 
Okay. Therefore, if he comes back game four, six games, Mavericks. I'll Ooh. give it six games to yeah, Mavericks. Yeah, if Luka comes back at any point, the Mavericks are going to win. That's that's just how it is. It's just a matter yeah. of if, if and when he can. Yep. Okay. Now we got Warriors Nuggets. Ooh. Warriors leading 2-0. <laughs> this is another one that was like almost like on my must-watch list. Well, actually, yeah. I did end up adding it on the must-watch just because it's California California team, Pacific Division. And <laughs> it's always nice to see playoff Steph Curry. But there was questions whether or not we'd actually see him. But he came out to play. Uh, but it almost seems like maybe he didn't have to. You got Jordan Poole, man. This oh my guy gosh. is wild. He had such a great start to the regular season and had that stretch where he was unreal. And then he kind of just like took a nap once Clay Thompson <laughs> came back and Steph right. Curry was doing his thing again. But he's back for sure. Like this is unreal what we're seeing. We're like seeing a re- some young guys really step up. Tyrese Maxey was one of the guys we were just talking about. And Jordan Poole is like on that level too, potentially. Like it's crazy what we're seeing him do right now. Yeah, we're seeing some big time performances from some young players that we knew had a lot of potential. But I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I have expected production like we're seeing from these guys right now. I mean, dudes averaging 29.5 points per game through these first two games, 60% from three. And is the first player ever to hit 10 threes through his first two playoff games. Absolutely unprecedented. The dude is officially a star in my Mm -hmm. mind. Like, he has absorbed the limelight. He is being a part of the Splash Brothers (laughs) as a third-year player and starting above Steph Curry coming off the injury like they're that confident in him that they're like you know what Steph is available but we'll take him off the bench just because we know we can rely on Jordan Poole and that is an insane insane statement when you think about it how many players would you say oh yeah we're comfortable starting him over Steph Curry while Steph Curry comes back from injury and my god like can we just have Steph Steph Curry as a sixth man like from now on because holy shit man in <laughs> game two 23 minutes 34 points like <laughs> this might be the winning recipe honestly just have steph curry come off the bench and just light up the all the role players yeah it's it's crazy man the, the warriors are just the warriors they just figure out ways to take these rusty beat up chess pieces i wouldn't call jordan Poole beat up chess piece but like just like a very underwhelming piece and you somehow turn it into what may not be a really desirable piece in the next few years here when next when he hits free agency uh just like a skilled guard he might shoot and score um he might get the max at this rate yeah which is absolutely insane going from a yeah but three-year six million dollar deal (laughs) yeah Mr. Former, I think he played a couple for a while with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Yeah, I think. no, he is in G League. Like, that's yeah. where his that's where his journey came from. Like, it's wild. I was I was hearing people say that like Jordan Poole was like considered a splash cousin, and now he's officially <laughs> a splash brother. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is crazy. Like, now you just have a new lineup that just wasn't there and hasn't really been seen. But Steph 
you know, Steve Kerr just threw it out there against the Nuggets, which is the three guard lineup with Thompson, mm-hmm. Curry, and Poole. And that lineup outscored the Nuggets twenty to six in Game One oh. when it was used. And it it's sort of reminiscing a lot of like that OKC lineup a couple years ago with Chris Paul, Schroeder, and uh, SGA, Shea oh, Gilgis. Yeah. But <clears throat> this lineup might be even better than that, just because you got a little bit more size and clay and. Obviously, you got the greatest shooter of all time <laughs> in that lineup, too. So it's just like that same three-man guard lineup that was like the number one rated, uh, offensively rated lineup Oof. that year. This is even on that on steroids. Yeah, so. this is this is absolutely terrifying, man. Like, I I regret not picking the Warriors to win the championship at this point because they mm. look – I mean, obviously, the Nuggets are no competition for them. I mean, I think everyone can agree on that. Jokic is not enough by himself. He is enough to get them through the regular season, but against a fully charged Warriors team, it does it's not enough. And Draymond has honestly done a good job defensively mm-hmm. on him. He hasn't completely stopped him. I mean, he's still averaging 26 points a game, but... Aside from that, I mean, he's contained him pretty well. You're not seeing the nuclear Jokic numbers we're used to seeing, you know, from the regular season where he's getting like 30 points and 15 rebounds and 10 assists. And part of that is just no one stepping up to help him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So much of it is like Jokic is the number one, probably one or two best player in this in the game today. Uh, you know, top three MVP finalist. So I think there's you're not going to really do too much to limit him, but... I mean, the, when you look at the rest of the roster, though, and the numbers and nug, the other Nugget players are putting up, you see the real effect of, like, just how good this war, this Warriors team is on the defensive end as well. Like, <laughs> where's Aaron Gordon? Where's Will Barton? <laughs> oh, there's, like, oh, what's Aaron Gordon averaging? Seven points in this Seven series so Seven and a half four? points. <laughs> Terrible, man. This guy was yeah. supposed to be a star in this league, and he has been abysmal like Mm -hmm. yeah shrinking down in the biggest moments of his career and it's impressive for us to say that the Warriors are playing such great defense when you have guys like Steph and Jordan Poole who aren't really known as defenders you know right purely offensive players but they're doing what they need to do on defense and between Clay Andrew Wiggins and Draymond like that's they're getting it done and this is this is very likely on its way to be a clean sweep. Potentially no games actually in contention for the Nuggets. Honestly, they have nothing for this team. They were so desperate they went to Austin Rivers for a little <laughs> bit. And yeah, yeah, that didn't work. Big surprise. Yeah, I, I'm trying hard to think of what would be the adjustment the Nuggets can make. And there isn't one except, you know go back in time and pull a healthy Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Murray yeah, in here. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr., yeah. Yeah, but there help. isn't. I think at this point you just kind of ride as hard as you can on Jokic. Hopefully he goes. He has a nuclear game and you can just limit the perimeter shooting, but so much of that is so much easier said than done. Because the yeah. rest of the, the rest, I mean, Mike Malone threw everybody out there. <laughs> All did. 12 guys played minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, part of those were garbage time players, but still. True. But, I mean, it's just like the Warriors threw down 44 points in the third quarter in game two. Well, that's just unreal in a playoff game. Yeah. it's This is a wrap, man. Like, 
I'm embarrassed that I'd even give the Nuggets a game or two in this series before it started. Like mm-hmm. the Warriors are just, they're just too good right now. They can't be stopped. Yeah, not much to say. I think it's a sweep. I don't think there's much of an argument there. Um, but moving on from there, the final series to talk about: Grizzlies versus Wolves. This has been yeah. this was at the top of it's my must watch list, right there with the Nets versus Celtics. Uh, you got the two young stars, Anthony Edwards versus John Morant, and the Wolves pull off a game one stunner and just really taking advantage of the Grizzlies foul trouble that they found themselves in and a little bit just like showing their youth not really yeah. able to adjust once Jaron Jackson Jr. was picking up fouls Dylan Brooks was picking up fouls and Steven Adams um, so they had a hard time adjusting but I mean there's one guy that took advantage of that it was Anthony Edwards just pulling off 36 points Whew. cooking everybody from mid-range driving it or shooting from the outside and the whole team just just was just lighting them up. I mean, 39% from three overall for the Timberwolves, 16 for 31. Yeah, you're just not going to win a game like that. So you just, I think, the essentially the Grizzlies, I think, just took that loss and, and moved on and adjusted. And then game two was a different story with the Grizzlies just really uh, t- having control of most of that game uh, and evening that series out. Um, limiting yeah. the Timberwolves to 28% shooting from three and just using what they've been doing all regular season and using a balanced approach with 10 Grizzly players and double figures uh, wow. in that game too. Yeah. And John Morant, obviously the star of mm-hmm. game two, um, yep. nearly had a triple double in the game and he was going toe to toe with the whole Wolves team um, through the whole first quarter. Uh, when it was, <laughs> The only time of the game when it was actually close yeah, um, that was a really good quarter where it's just jaw going back and forth with whoever was scoring on the Wolves side. He would just go back and get his own bucket on the other end, and he was getting fired up. He was getting in Pat Beverly's face, and he got him through that first quarter and and kept the momentum out of Minnesota's hands, and that that allowed the Memphis Grizzlies to really find their groove for the rest of the game and just control it from there. And yeah, I. I really like what I saw from this Grizzlies team as far as the adjustment. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Timberwolves can do as far as mm-hmm. readjusting now, going back at home with a home court advantage still. Uh, it, is, right. it is a 1-1 series, which I, I'm very surprised that they took game one. That was very impressive. I was um, too. Yeah, large part due to Anthony Edwards, obviously, with just an insane first playoff game. 36 points in your first playoff game as a second-year player, man. This kid is this kid is special. Um, yeah. But yeah, D'Angelo Russell, surprisingly absent in these first two mm-hmm. games. So he, he's going to have to figure something out to get back in this series. Yeah, I could I think I think he's still going to come up and there's going to be a big game. Yeah, I think the two these two games have sort of had opposite results and where like one team was really in command for most of those games. But I do think this series is still far from over. I think we still have yet to see the best game of the series. Like I think there's I agree. We're still game one was great too. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. As great as game one was, I think there was a bit of like adjustment from the from the Grizzlies going into it with the foul trouble, and I think they kind of yeah. had a hard time adjusting to the rest of the game. And Anthony Edwards just going off. But mm-hmm. I think we're headed for an epic game three or game four to really yeah. take command of this series. I think 
we'll see. I think we'll see D'Angelo Russell find his legs there. Because, yeah, right now he's shooting 22% from the field on this series, whereas Edwards is shooting close to 50. Carl Anthony Towns is close to 60. So those guys are showing up. I do expect Russell to adjust. Um, as far as the Grizzlies, I think game two showed more of what they are capable of. Is like you've got a bunch of different dudes who can, who can you know, similar to like on a lesser scale of like the Celtics, but guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clarks, Williams, Dylan Brooks, just a bunch of gritty dudes that you that are willing mm-hmm. to, to step up and take any matchup. I don't think we'll be seeing much of of Stephen Adams, though, but... Yeah, uh, that's the <laughs> one guy I feel like maybe the Grizzlies would be better off playing without, honestly, or maybe just yeah. send him in as an enforcer for, like, 20 minutes a game, but he is getting completely sunned by Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. It's just, it's not even a contest. I know Stephen Adams is a big, strong dude. He's, you know, he's been a great anchor for this defense all year, but hey, this is the playoffs, and the Grizzlies have the personnel to match. And mm-hmm. between Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark, those are the guys that have to be playing the five in this series. And yeah, I wonder if they'll make that adjustment for game three. Something tells me they won't. One, because it's like, oh, Stephen Adams has been starting all year. How could we not start him? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, they just came off a win. So it's more like a, we'll make an adjustment if we lose another game, but until then, we won't do it. I would love to see them do it proactively because that's really, I feel like, the only reason that uh, the, the Wolves were able to get off to the hot stars because Carl Anthony Towns was unstoppable in the, for, in the first quarter, um, right. even with the two fouls he was playing with early on. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting. This this series has been very entertaining. Uh, yeah. and I love seeing John Morant just go full beast mode. The dude, the dude's only six foot three on a good day, but he plays <laughs> like he's like six foot nine. It's it's truly amazing. Yeah, he's just like a like a blade just cutting through the defense. So yeah, in such oh, these tight his, corners, the way he contorts his body is, is very Derrick Rose esque in mm-hmm. in the, the driving lanes. It's it's amazing what he can do and just the space he can create. Yeah, he that's who he always reminds me of right now is just mm-hmm. that pre that MVP prime version Derek of, Rose. of prime Derek Rose. Um but on the chess pieces point though, Jaron Jackson Jr. and some of these other pieces, I think it's time that these guys start playing the five and maybe that's the hesitation yeah. there is that you keep Steven Adams at the five to sort of protect Jaron Jackson Jr. from picking up those early fouls again. Um, but I'm going to be interested to see this chess piece moves that the Grizzlies make, whether they do it proactively or whether they're going to react to what what the Timberwolves do there. But that's the reason why I'm, I feel like we're still, we still have yet to see the best game of this series, just because I feel like both of these teams are still figuring out what what pieces to move and what who yeah. to give minutes to. Just because the Timberwolves are such an interesting matchup for the Grizzlies because they're so good. They're such a good outside shooting team mm-hmm. with Towns. And Steven Adams is just such a slow piece for the Grizzlies. Um, and Jaron Jackson's just got that foul issue. He's just got to help, help figure right. out somehow. So Yeah. And it's something he's dealt with all regular season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if they can get him a game where he's not in foul trouble, it's going to be great. I mean, he even he, with the foul trouble, he had seven blocks in game one. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unreal. And the other point too on on Anthony Edwards too. It's like, I mean, can can Jaron Jackson or any of these smaller centerpieces actually stop Anthony Edwards at the rim? 
it's i don't it's, think so man it's <laughs> the crazy <kid> is special <laughs> yeah i i i haven't i i was thinking about it. i was like man i don't know if who the last player i've seen outside of lebron but like lebron is just like a freak prime lebron where he would just yeah. drive to the rim and he would move whoever was trying to stop him just not yeah. even with the, with his hand just with his body momentum just move <laughs> him out of the way and get to the backboard and Anthony Edwards does that. It's just sort of yeah. unreal to see a guard do that. Um, I think like maybe the other guy outside of LeBron is maybe like a young Tracy McGrady where he was just big mm, and quick yeah, right. uh, and savvy around the so basket. So athletic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited great, to see more of that. Yeah, great comparisons there for Anthony Edwards. Those are guys you want to be in the same conversation as, but he's certainly earned it so far with the way he's been performing in these playoffs and throughout the whole season. So gonna make this a series i thought the grizzlies would take this handily but when the wolves took game one man everything's changed now it's it's gonna be more interesting than i think it was at the onset but ultimately i think the grizzlies are still gonna take this um Mm -hmm. you know if they if they rattled off four wins in a row here i wouldn't i wouldn't be completely surprised but I, I don't know. It, it depends on what the Wolves can do to adjust now because they they are now the ones that need to make an adjustment after losing game two pretty handily. So, yeah, yeah that's the, yeah, the onus is all on them now. Yeah, I don't know if I'll – I don't know. I like this different Wolves team. I'm not going to give them a lot more credit. And I could I see this going to six games, uh, and I get I see the Grizzlies taking it in six. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. This I think uh, we're headed for a pretty pretty epic game three and game four. Um, yeah, but all in all, we got some great series here. Like all these West series have been very entertaining. Um, I'd say as far as the East goes, Heat Hawks has been very unentertaining, but uh, the rest of them have been good too. So seven out of eight, not bad at all. Yeah, exactly. Final thoughts to close this off. I see you added this one, Sean. Um, yeah, which young player, or you can take it. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to more ask this to you specifically, and I, I can follow up with what I think too. Like, which young player are you most impressed with through these first few games of the playoffs? I mean, we have we've had some crazy performances from these young guys who, you know, we didn't know if they were ready for the moment yet, but they clearly are here. With between Anthony Edwards, John Morant, Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole, and Brandon Ingram, all guys yeah. really in their first big playoff stint. And Maxi was there last year, but he wasn't a focal point at all. Now he's a focal point. Between these five guys, who are you most impressed with? Oh, I got to go with Anthony Edwards. Mm. Um, John Morant, I saw it coming. He's He was in the playoffs last year, which maybe is a little yeah. unfair in terms of answering this question. But Brandon Ingram, he's been a couple years ahead. I think he had this coming. But I think Anthony Edwards to just sort of show up and did what he did in game one, do what he did in the play-in game, even yeah. with a guy like Carl Anthony Towns on his roster who is, quote-unquote, you know, the franchise player already. Right, yeah. So for him to just sort of show up and take control of these games, especially that play-in game when Anthony, you know, when Cat was just, <laughs> like, like, out of yeah. it because Kat of foul trouble. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For him to just take control the way he does it, so patient and you know, attacking from mid range, but also driving to the basket and also being able to shoot from outside is so impressive. So I, I got to go with him. I think it's, it's just wild to me. I think we truly are seeing a guy evolve into a potential top five player in the league one day, mm. which is, yeah, just seems <laughs> like it wasn't 
a realistic thing, I don't know, two years ago when he was a rookie and he kind of had right. a, a little Come underwhelming of a rookie in. year. Yeah. No, he, I mean, that last half of his rookie season and this whole season, I mean, he's, he's really proved his worth. And I, I totally agree with you. I could see him being a top five player. And it's awesome that he's been able to take over the reins. And I love me some Anthony Edwards, but I have to say I'm most impressed with Jordan Poole. Jordan like, Poole, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, and not to take anything away from you know these other guys, but I, I just cannot believe the swagger, the confidence, the production that this guy's putting up in on the biggest stage. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense to me how he could he could just erupt into this like. He went from being like a Steph Curry light to like, I am as good as Steph Curry on some nights, you know, and I just everything we talked about before and could I could reiterate it. But yeah, it's it's absolutely stunning to watch Mm -hmm. this guy play, to watch him thrive and to become a star in our league. Yeah, I, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. Yeah, I like me some Jordan Poole. I mean, Santa Cruz Warriors, what was he, like top, like 20, 27, 26 pick or something like that? Uh, yeah, 28th pick in the 2019 draft. Yeah, and for him to now show up and ball next to the greatest shooter of all in NBA history and one of the yeah. also in Clay Thompson. Right. Yeah, yeah the first stuff. real Steph Curry prodigy, you mm-hmm. know. 28. Like, it, it's 28th pick. Yeah. It is kind of crazy how much like Steph he is in the way he plays. You know, it's it's almost a mirror image in some cases. Yeah. It's really crazy. Yeah, it's impressive. 23, 22 years old, man. <sighs> Still got a lot got to a, go. <laughs> he's got a lot of money to make in his next few contracts. Yeah, this is this is an awesome playoff series. I I, I feel like last year was sort of a, a passing of the baton a little bit, but now we've got new players who have been added to the mix uh, yeah. to sort of be part be a part of that. So, oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, watching. we're yeah, and it's it's a playoff year without LeBron James, which we mm-hmm. never say. Only think only one time we said that when his first year at the Lakers, and now we are not missing him. You know, yeah, the league's in a healthy spot. We might not get Kevin Durant in the second round either. Ooh, I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Changing of the guard. Truly. Well, except for the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors are still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with new pieces. But, uh, it'll be exciting to to keep up with everything and uh, you know, you know, you'll you'll hear from us. So don't forget to tune in week in and week out. Uh yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah, have a good week everybody.